This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. You're hearing from Coal March and Triangle Pest Control's Donnie Shelton and PCO Bookkeepers, PCO M&A Specialist, and Turf Books Dan Gordon, as well as some of the biggest players in the pest control and lawn care industries. We're talking about what is changing in the industry and taking you straight to the front lines of what the future holds. If you're ready to grow your pest control or lawn care business, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what's changing in the industry and we take you to the front lines to those that are driving that change in the industry. My name is Donnie Shelton. I'm the owner of Triangle Pest Control. I'm also the CEO of Comarch, a digital marketing and sales services company for the home services industry, specializing in pest and lawn. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to say hello? Hello, everyone. Good to be with you. Very excited for this one. This this is a, a real special treat today. All right. I will. Uh, well, today, Dan, we are talking about how to grow your company's brand. And we have Jamie with us from Lloyd Pest Control in Southern California. And Dan, do you want to introduce Jamie? Yeah, sure. So uh, Jamie, uh, the, the history of Lloyd Pest Control goes back 90 years to a time when Jamie's grandfather uh, started uh, shooting at rats in a warehouse with his 22. And, <laughs> and bird shot. Let's not forget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jamie's uh, uh, father, Jim, took over from his grandfather in 1975. And then Jamie, Jamie joined the company in 91 and took over the operation in uh, uh, 2000. So uh, welcome, Jamie. We're really honored to have you and uh, looking forward to, to, to really getting some great insights. Thank you, Don. Dan and thank you, Donnie. Nice to be here. Appreciate you guys thinking of me. So I have a question. Are there any like family stories about your grandfather like shooting? I, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> like I just I look at it and I started laughing. It's like I can only imagine kind of what you know Thanksgiving dinners are like. Like, hey, did we go out and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did we get this from the store? Or <laughs> There's some great pictures. Uh, from the early days that we have, and the we have the shot we have that shotgun. It's mounted in our in our conference room. And it says three generations of leadership, and my grandfather and my dad and I all share the same name. We're all James A. Ogle the third, and uh, that's uh, it's still it's nice to have that you know memorabilia for our company history. Uh, yes, he did use it, and he would I mean, he tells a story would tell a story of being in a in a supermarket and you know, use that at night, but he also used another uh, small shot, you know, pellet gun to, and you know, to turning to a, a, the cashier and say, make some noise. He steps behind, boom, shoots the rat. So, you know, this is the thirties. So uh, we, he also, my dad would tell the story of when at night being out with my grandfather and rats would be running across a, a you know, a, a, a pipe and, my dad's job was to shoot him as my grandfather chased him out. If my dad missed him, my grandfather was pissed. So, he, um, or maybe I should say upset. So, I, it was my grandfather probably was pissed. That would be him. So the uh, those were those were some good stories and memories of how how that all that all went. 
the last time we used a, uh, a gun, a shotgun or any sort was for a bird job in a supermarket here in San Diego and the SWAT team showed up. And <laughs> after that, we decided that probably was not a good way of going about it. And it was time to use, to use uh, less, uh, I think we refer to it as aggressive harvest, uh, using a shotgun or something to take out the, uh, the, the, the birds or rats, and uh, we, we've moved away from that primarily. So I can't I, say, I we say we have, a, we brought in a sharpshooter a couple times to do some bird work in some facilities we've had over the years, but uh, former military guys that work for us, but very, it's a very rarity that nowadays that we're using that type of aggressive harvest. <laughs> Did your dad ever hit a pipe, uh, miss the, the rat and hit the pipe? Uh, no stories like that. So it's birdshot as well in that case. So if it hit the pipe, it's not going to blow a hole in it or anything like that. So, but, um, you know, the, but did not hear those stories, but just, you know, if he didn't do it right. My grandfather was not happy with him. So that's uh, funny. Yeah. That's hilarious. So. That's funny. So now Jamie, you are, I, I don't want to say it's a common story in the industry, but you're, you're third generation. Um, and so, right. you know, did you like when you were growing up and, you know, you saw your you saw your dad in the business? I mean, did you like, hey, this is something I really, really want to do? Um, yeah, I want to I want to be a part of the family business. Or did you just kind of is it is something that you kind of grew into and you decided later on in life, hey, this is something I want to do. How, how did you decide to join the business? Yeah, that's a good question. My dad never put pressure on my brother or me to join the business. We know knew. And I agree with 100% that you need to follow your own passions, find your way. And growing up, I thought I would be a professional tennis player and I would win Wimbledon. So, uh, and probably did not abandon that until maybe I was 20, got a little wiser and realized that the person playing Division II non-scholarship tennis probably isn't going to win Wimbledon because even the division one players don't really make money playing professional tennis. Maybe they teach or whatever. So, uh, but I, I had, I was not, I had confidence. <laughs> and, uh, but so throughout my, throughout high school and college, I seeked out leadership opportunities, whether it was ASB captain of a sports team, fraternity president, different options like that. And so when I was getting, uh, preparing for after college and my dad and I and uh, my fiance at the time, Amy and I will be married 30 years in July this year. Yay. Uh, and thank you. Yeah. So, and I celebrated 30 years of full-time work at Lloyd uh, this last month too. So I kept that simple, same year. So the, yeah. and um, we started talking with my dad about what do we do next and do I, Join the, when will I join the family business? And our intent was to do that. And so, uh, and then as the industry knows, the story has been well told. Uh, you guys may or may not know it. My dad in 90 was diagnosed with lymphoma. And uh, Dan Moreland had a, has a picture of him from one of the conventions where my dad shaved his head because he was losing his hair and dressed up as a Halloween for a Halloween party as a Hare Krishna. Uh, probably politically incorrect, but pretty darn funny. And uh, making, you know, making lemons, making lemonade out of lemons when you were dealt a tough hand. Uh, you know, my dad will be 85 next month, so we're thrilled that he, of course, is still with us. Oh, that's awesome. And we we had to make um, 
so our intent in 90 was I would spend a couple of years working somewhere else, understand what it's like to get a paycheck from somebody who does not have your last same last name, what it's like to be an employee somewhere else. And uh, that experience uh, didn't happen on a full-time basis for me because of the family dynamic of my dad being di diagnosed with lymphoma prior to my graduation from college. So I graduated in March of 91, came to work two weeks later in April, and was married in July. And wow. um, have, not really, have not really looked back. Uh, I've done a lot of things to help prepare me for running the business over that time. And after, I think, and I was our first company's first marketing manager. I think it was between 94 and 96. And my dad comes in and goes, here's a here's an income statement. Dan, you'll appreciate this. I had a degree in managerial economics. And I put that in quotes because you can't see that. But I didn't study that much in undergrad. But I did get a degree. My parents kept the copy of the diploma posted in their house for quite a long time. I think they were surprised. The um, And I looked at the P&L, the income statement, and went, oh, this is interesting. What does it mean? And, and decided that if I was going to be uh, a corporate manager, uh, part of the corporate staff, and eventually running this company, that I would need to have a greater financial ac acumen and hopefully business acumen as well, and decided to go to business school uh, <clears throat> in order to help improve my uh, business knowledge and prepare me for the opportunity to run the business. So two, two questions. Number one, which business school did you go to? And uh, so, yeah, sorry. Second question. <laughs> <laughs> Second question is, uh, how big was the uh, company when you, you stepped in? What was the size and scope and number of technicians, number of employees? Yeah. So I, uh, I went to USD Business School, uh, University of San Diego, which is up the street from our office. Went to night night school, worked full time. I had the marketing job at the time, uh, which felt like kind of a it was a relatively corporate job where I could my hours were relatively set. And my dad decided that you know you need some frontline experience, a little more of that. So he put me in charge of our termite department, uh, which then became a before 7 a.m. to well after five sometimes job, depending on starting fumigation crews at seven and you know running operations. If somebody doesn't show up, you're on a fumigation truck. And then I go to business school from you know six to 10 o'clock at night, depending on the day of the week. Uh, I was young, fortunately, which made it doable. Uh, and we didn't have any kids for the first part of it. Uh, but that was a very valuable experience for me because as I'm going through business school, it allowed me to really uh, focus on preparing me for my next job, which was to be running the business. And a lot of the projects I did were around that as well. So uh, to the second question, we were, we had about 200, 220 employees in 2000. I looked this up uh, to, in preparation for this. We were doing about 13 million and had about five branch offices, uh, one outside of San Diego County, the rest in San, in San Diego County. So, you, obviously, when you came on board, you, you know, you have kind of this, okay, now you have the business, you're going to be, uh, you already know that you're going to be running the business. You, you know, you changed things pretty dramatically when you, when you got, you, know, you took the helm. So can you just kind of walk us through, like, what was you, you know, obviously this, the, the, 
this segment is on branding, right? And how to brand your business. And I imagine that's a that was probably a big part of your overall strategy. But I want to spend a little bit of time on this and then bring it back to branding. Um, what what were kind of your key things? Like, okay, this is where I want to take the business, and this is how I'm going to get it to the next level. Yeah. So I think that when I joined the business, that th when I joined it in '91, and my dad was, um, you know, going through treatment, it did a few things. It provided continuity for the for the employees that the next generation was was there was there and that we were helping to uh, prepare the business for the future and that they they would they would not be sold uh, to a national brand and uh, wake up and not be a part not, and, and no longer be a family business and at the time my my cousin uh, greg augustine was also working in the business uh, as the uh, controller i believe at that time and so the two of us were there to help provide some continuity and support for from the family side for the business. And the um, <clears throat> so as and I think that the way that you know my dad looked at it was you'll have the opportunity to come into the business, prove yourself, and we'll see if you get the opportunity to be the president of the company. Uh, the pr company needs to be run by somebody who can lead it and somebody who is in the right seat. And uh, and that was my opportunity to, through running the termite business for four years, kind of my opportunity to prove that, that I had that, I guess, acumen or ability to lead and hopefully people follow to uh, run the business. Uh, so he, did, he didn't I, say, well, you're my son, so congratulations, you're, you're gonna be the next CEO. <laughs> he did not. I think, it, I don't know that, um, I don't know if there was a plan B, <laughs> you know, if, if I screwed it up, I guess that could have been, um, you know, or it, you know, it also came with, for me, a lot of responsibility of you better not mess this up you know, when you get that opportunity. And, right. uh, and that's, um, you know, a wonderful opportunity and that comes with a fair amount of, of pressure uh, to, you know, it's been a successful at that time, 70 year old business. And, you know, it, it, it's your job to keep it going. So, so you, yet, you've actually led it through some pretty rough times in terms of uh, regulatory environment and, and, and a lot of, uh, you know, the industry's changing and it's changed a lot uh, since you took over. Uh, your grandfather and father probably didn't have it as rough. What are some of the things that you did to kind of, you know, make your brand a powerhouse and how did you develop that over the years and how did you navigate the, the regulation? Was your dad still involved and was he saying, uh, th this will pass or how, how did that all work? Yeah, with regard to regulation, my dad really was frustrated by and really would get on a soapbox about what the all the you know state and federal government were doing to you know, mess with the business to make it harder to do good business, whether it be pesticide regulation or wage and hour law or all the different things that go with uh, regulations in our business. And for me, I, regulations were just a part of doing business. I never it was we have we always had a full always have had a full time technical director. That person's job is to keep track of the regulations. Uh, prior to us having an HR manager. I 
and others leadership went through classes on wage and hour law and you know all the HR things so that we can speak somewhat intelligently, not as intelligently as our HR manager about all those things, but uh, to make sure that we were up to speed and staying compliant with all the regulations. So those things have always been, to me, it's just been a part of doing business, whereas my dad kind of saw it later in his career and like, God, this is such a pain uh, and frustration. I just looked at it as it's just a part, part of our business and did not let it define us or, uh, you know, cause us uh, too much pain. Okay, this is being, this product's being taken away. We pivot, you know, the word of 2020 and 2021, we pivot to something else. We use a new product, something else comes in the market. You know, the best thing about pest control is there will always be bugs. So, and there's right. always, if we do our job right, we'll always have clients. So to the question about marketing and our building our brand, you know, we, my dad changed the mouse. We had an orange mouse that my grandfather created. My dad branded us to the full color uh, mouse that we have today, cartoon mouse, does not have a name. Uh, and that mouse is very recognizable and well, People, if you say Lloyd Pest Control, people go, oh, are you the ones with the, the mouse ears on the top of your truck? No, that's truly Nolan. You were the, you know, <laughs> the one with the hammer. No, that's Western. You show them the mouse. Oh, I know you guys. I see your trucks everywhere. So <laughs> the uh, that is very well branded. And, and that has been very helpful for us. And I, I, over the last year, uh, we had very good sales in San Diego County, especially because I think when in the pandemic, especially people were going to trusted brands. Who do I feel confident is going to come to my house and take good care of me and my house and my property? And that uh, served us really well for our, our especially residential sales. Yeah, I think uh, people were more were cautious about who they invited into their We'll say their bubble. I mean, we were masked and doing everything we're supposed to do to keep people safe. And but the um, yeah, the, per, uh, a well-defined brand that is well-respected uh, has won a marketplace torch uh, award for marketplace ethics from the Better Business Bureau, a Family Business Award. Those things have helped build our brand and define us as a trusted brand that people can count on or going to take good care of them uh, for their homes and businesses. So I want to just take a moment here, and, and this is really for our listeners, because I want to make a, I think what I consider to be a really important distinction. You know, when you think about your brand, that's very different than branding. And I have to eat a little crow here, right? I have, because I have, you know, earlier in my career, I was not a huge fan of branding, right? I was all about, let's go out and get online, let's buy leads. We don't have the money. We can't track what branding is doing, but that's not necessarily a brand. So I guess my question for you, Jamie, is what would you consider to be a brand and how is that different than branding? If that, if that makes sense. Barely. Um, so, so brand be. So you're kind of talking about the difference between advertising and marketing or? I think, well, what? you know, one of the things I, I wonder, like, for example, I think I'm not going to, I'm not going to say a national name here because obviously we're, we're on the recorded line, but, you know, I think there's national brands who don't necessarily have the greatest brand, but they're good at branding. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. Meaning that 
they may not have the best service, they may not have the best people skills, but they're very good in terms of getting their name out, right? They're very good sure. uh, in the marketing realm. And so that that's right. I guess that's maybe where the question's more going because I think there really is, they they work together, right? Right. Yeah, so in that regard, we work hard at managing our brand and making sure we do what's right for the customer even when it costs us money, you know, or costs, and if we we have more than half of our new customers come to us via referrals, and if the customer isn't happy, we will give them their money back. I don't want to be paid if we haven't satisfied them and we haven't done our job. Uh, we haven't earned their money, and so that's where, and I remember my dad early on, probably when I was, you know, fighting the fight for my team and the termite department and something got broken, something didn't go well for the customer, but maybe the customer didn't do what we were, they were supposed to do. I'm like, no, we're not gonna refund them $500 or whatever it was, and might have even only been 50, you know, it was a principal for my team. And my dad's like, just give them their money back. And I, what? We're not even gonna spend time talking about it? No, we're just gonna give them their money back. We're going to make sure that they want to do business with us in the future. We may, we're going to lose this battle, but we're going to win the war. And uh, our marketing manager today, in today's world, that's a bad Yelp review, a bad Google review, or whatever, that can be seen by millions of people. And it's worth just losing the battle and not being hooked by the issue today to make sure that we only have good reviews and that we make sure we move that our customers uh, are satisfied and only saying good things about us. So, so, and when we mess up, admit it and just figure out how to make it right, do the best we can to recover it for the customer. And I know that our team appreciate, <clears throat> appreciates that, that they can make decisions and solve problems for customers and they're not gonna come back and somebody's gonna go, well, you cost me my quarterly bonus or you cost me this because we didn't hit this number. It's like, you know what, take care of the customer and we will be, we'll all be okay in the long run. So when, when we look at advertising, we look at two, you know, we look at the direct response, which Bonnie was talking about that you can measure years ago, it was the yellow pages, now it's Google. Um, and then we look at the branding aspect of it. And, you know, we've got clients all over the country. And in my experience, unless you're, uh, you know, this massive company in a huge market, um, it's very difficult to brand yourself because it's so expensive. San Diego is a pretty big market. What do you do to brand yourself as opposed to, you know, uh, you know, uh, smaller markets? Right. Well, the it's a good question because we, we operate in, I guess, really two media markets, but four or five um I guess counties. San Diego is a separate business media market because it's isolated on four sides. Really, we have Camp Pendleton in the north, the water, the Pacific Ocean to the west, the Mexican border to the south, and really desert to the east. And so it's its own media market. When we move north, then we're in Orange County and LA County, which is one media market really. Uh, and for the longest time, we didn't service all of it. So it was very difficult for us to advertise and brand in that area. And then we're in Riverside, uh, San Bernardino, Palm Springs. And the, our brand is very different depending on the market that we're in. 
San Diego, super strong, couple hundred trucks on the road every day, been here for 90 years. The further north we go away from our headquarters, the, our brand is less. There are less mouse trucks on the road. We haven't advertised in those areas for year for 90 years and our presence is much less. And we are learning how to build that presence. And it's a huge marketing challenge for us to build brand awareness um, so that even though we are doing the same thing from a service standpoint that we do there, but we do here, our brand recognition is so much lower that we are having to rebuild, we're having to build brand awareness. And we know that that's going to take time. Now, what, what are you doing? To, so we have clients who will, you know, who just kind of run one market and forgot how easy or how difficult it was to build that market. And they go into the next market and they think it's going to be, you know, real easy because the snowball was built where they are. What are you doing right. to, to show people that? Yeah, um, we, we are actively um, doing some small acquisitions. Uh, we have two closing this month that are in uh, Orange County and LA. And that helps us kind of build customer base and more trucks on the road and brand, put the mouse on the trucks. Uh, we are doing, we're focusing our SEO and SEM efforts in LA County. And we are doing some, uh, we have a very strong partnership with uh, the local uh, NPR station here called KPBS in San Diego. And we're doing the same in uh, the Pasadena and LA market with that radio station as well. So those are some of the things we're doing. Uh, we still, it, it's ironic to me, but we still do a fair amount of direct mail uh, where we're mailing directly into homes that have uh, you know, 75,000 uh, or maybe even 100,000 in household income, where we're putting, sending mailers directly to them, buying lists and putting and sending things to them directly. And those still poll quite well, which is the, kind of the, I guess, the irony of the, uh, of the digital wow. age. You know, yeah, really actually, if I, if I had something to do differently last year, when everybody pulled back and everybody, including us, pulled back their advertising dollars and said, no, we're, we're hunkering down, tightening the belt, keeping the cash in the bank. Uh, as soon as we got the PPP loan in April of last year, I would have, yeah, I would have started hiring more and I would have increased our advertising and I would have done more direct mail, actual mail, because nobody else was. And the mailbox was very light and our ads would have stood out more. So, so that's, yeah, well, in pest control, I often hear about, you know, direct mail working with current customers. Y you are really the first person, at least on the pet and now lawn care. Obviously, this is a big thing. Right. But but on the mm -hmm. pest control side, I've not heard of many folks who have ha actually had it work. So congrats on that. But I mean, it's um, well, and yeah, I'm what, assuming you guys are also mailing your current customers as well. Right. What, what do you do different? Because as Donnie said, Mailing to current customers, definitely good. Lawn care seems to work. Direct mail, like when I was in the business in the 90s, we used to do the coupon packs and they worked great, but never had any luck with postcards or, or letters. What, what are you doing differently? Yeah, we, we don't do the like Val pack or uh, we don't do the coupon packs. We, we have in the past, they, they are, are not, the, they, I guess, what they call it, marriage mail where they're you know, packaged together is not how we didn't find to be that effective. Uh, we are putting together a nice postcard and and we're hitting them a few times over the course of the summer. Our marketing guide will put together a campaign. Uh, we've done it like 
and uh, the Argentine ants are huge in Southern California. So Antonio, the Argentine ant from Argentina, is working his way to Southern California, and the postcard will be, you know, from Antonio. I'm now in Belize, and I'm on my way to Southern California. Look out for me. That's I'm now hilarious. in Houston, and I'm on I my way it. to San Diego. I'm in Tahoe, New <laughs> Mexico. I'm on my way to. Uh, San Diego and uh, James is highly creative. Been here 25 years plus, I think, and he's put together these campaigns that uh, get people's attention. So hopefully they read it, they see it. I mean, you know, we're still talking about you know two to three percent hit rates, but they still. But that's you know, it's, it it helps. And that's amazing. Also, if it's if it's cute enough, maybe they keep it on their on their refrigerator for a little while. They show it to their kids or. You know, we'll get people calls just laughing at times. So uh, it's it baffles me that it continues to work, but it continues to work. So well, I I think it, and you make a very good point here. Is you know sometimes people get so they get so wrapped up in marketing they forget that the message is equally, if not more important than the medium, right? And so they're all about yeah, we're gonna. But if they have a, a you know their messaging just doesn't resonate with people. It doesn't really matter. So that's that's great. That's wonderful. And that that idea is hilarious. I would I would love to see <laughs> see those pieces. And so, what about other things? Like, are you guys doing like are you are you in the local stadium? Like, you know, as far as your branding, are you doing billboards? I mean, um, I mean, you have a great logo. And and you know, for our listeners, if you've not seen the Lloyd's logo, I would encourage you to go to their website um, to take a look. But what else are you guys doing uh, to to get your brand out? Those are the primary things. We we haven't done a lot of billboard. We've done some billboards over the years. We've done we haven't done stadium sponsorships. Uh, we will try. We'll do some more specific for the commercial market in a property management magazine or a restaurant owner magazine, some stuff like that to reach specific segments that are more industry specific or you know business segment specific for us. Uh, prior to COVID, we would do trade shows. <laughs> I anticipate we'll do those again someday. CDC says it's okay for us now for all vaccinated. So that's good. Uh, so hopefully soon we'll be able to be doing trade shows again. So no radio to back up Antonio's voice. Uh, we, we used to do radio. We, we, have not done what well, the radio we do do is KPBS or is the uh, you know local NPR stations that where the demographics pull well for people who will use professional home services. So I have more questions. Um, what was your marketing guy's name again? One more time. I'm sorry. Yeah, James Spring. James. So I'm James. I'm coming to you. I have this branding idea, and let's just say it's. You know, how do how do you go about deciding this is something worth investing in? Obviously, you, if he's been with the company this long, it's probably a, a really bad example because I'm sure there's a, a high level of trust there. But I'm just trying to understand, like, how do you make decisions about branding and how much you should be investing in branding? Um, and, you know, and really just how do you go about your decision making on like this is what we're going to do in terms of financing branding you know or you know bringing bringing in how how big are we going to go on branding and how do i make those decisions right uh we will work to annually we work to put together a budget for you know financial performance for the company 
financial targets. And depending on how our cash is, we'll look at how much we can spend on marketing. Uh, some years we've pulled from marketing to pay for acquisitions, uh, so we're acquiring accounts in other ways, but using what would have been marketing dollars to acquire accounts, which is kind of a, just a different way of acquiring accounts. And uh, he will put together a budget, we'll approve it, look at and put it into the full uh, financial statement. Scott uh, Crowley, my COO, uh, 30 plus years, and then our CFO, uh, Will Phil, will look at it as well and we will put together the budget and he has pretty good um i guess autonomy and authority to decide on where he wants to spend that and we're working on you know uh what the results look like and how we i guess hold him accountable for that as we do for operations you know of getting your route work done to get does the is the marketing delivering as well so you know what he has you know, had to educate me and our team on is as we take dollars that we would spend in San Diego County on and get a hard, a high ROI on, and we move those into areas where we're less known to build our brand, our return immediately is going to be less. So fortunately, we're a 90-year-old business and we take a long view of things and we'll take a look at how can we grow our presence in LA County to become a household name there. That's great. That's great. And do you have like a target on the P&L? I mean, I'm sure it changes from year to year, but just a general like, okay, we're going to spend 5% on marketing, 10%, 15%. I mean, I know as a younger company, oftentimes it could be as much as 20 to 25%, but what about you guys? Do you have a target percent that you that you go for? Yeah, I pulled out my calculator and because I, I knew the, the marketing amount and our revenue. So we're, <laughs> we're between 3 and 4% this year. Uh, yeah. Last year we lowered it, uh, and if I had that to do over again, I wouldn't have. But, but, uh, but then again, you know, my response, our responsibility was to hold on to cash, and you know, and not spend cash with the high level of uncertainty of the pandemic. And uh, I think the only company I know that didn't that I talked to was Cook, Cooks in Alabama. They kept hiring and they kept advertising and they just kept on going. They knew the bugs were going to come and they didn't slow down. And uh, you know, they they uh, kudos to them for having that foresight and just being knowing that you know but bugs don't care about pandemics and they don't care about recessions depressions and they're going to keep on going. So I, I I was more conservative than that and we pulled back the marketing dollars. So it's interesting the amount that you spend. Um, I would say so so uh, you know if you look at the big boys and and their public uh, filings. You know, right. they're probably double what you're spending, but it's not the whole story. If, if you're the lifetime value of your customer is much higher than theirs, then you're spending the same thing. What do you, you know, what percentage do you spend per every new customer? What do you, do you have a handle on that? What's your cost per sale or cost per lead? I don't. I hope to be able to answer that next year for you. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's got to be a, a, you know, if, if they're spending twice what you're spending, but their the longevity of their customer is less, then you could technically be spending the same amount, and you could have to 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 lower that. So, yeah, actually, we did put together a marketing ROI. I just don't have that information in front of me. It's so right. we're, we're working to track. We are working to track that more. 
uh, now and and putting better uh, met, better tools in place to help us do that for sure. So we're getting close to the end here, and I want to carve out just a little bit of time to talk about. Um, now you have been involved in kind of a little, I won't say a little, but another project. Um, do you want to just kind of talk about that briefly? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Yeah. So last uh, February of 2020, we launched a new software called Clipboard, and we switched to new software that was created by, uh, at the time, Plunkett's Pest Control in Minnesota. And Stacy O'Reilly is a good friend. And we had been looking for new software, and we were able to switch to that software in February 1st, 2020. And uh, the software has been phenomenal for us uh, through the pandemic. It was a bright spot of, of, of fun and a great tool for us. The day after our governor shot our, shot, shut our state down, we were able to watch our people coming to work because in our live dashboard, we could see how many people were now at work the next day. The night before, we're texting and emailing our team saying, okay, we're sh the state is shut down, but we're an essential service. We will be at work tomorrow. And, you know, and I was able to watch uh, on our dashboard as everybody came to work the next day, our field staff especially. You know, and uh, that has been a fun project for us where we've been able to really improve our service to our customers, both our internal customers being our technicians and our, our call center, and improve the service to our, our, our real customers that pay our bills and where better portals, uh, better, better customer portal, um, better service slips, uh, better communication. And it, it's just a, been a great tool for us to improve our business. And uh, the dashboard we have is live. The scheduling tools are very solid. We, since we launched, we've created strong sales CRM, which is inside the software itself. So we're not having to have a different sales CRM. We created that for our, our CSRs, for our commercial salespeople and our termite inspectors so that they have their own um, sales CRM to be able to track customer's journey from lead to proposal to schedule. And it, the beauty of it is it's all, most of the software is really elegantly simple. That's the term that I use. And it's been uh, great uh, fun to have that control and ability to just, I feel like our team helps make the software better every day. We hired our own developer who, we, who works for Lloyd, uh, works closely with the company that's been created called Terrier Technologies and with Andy and Dylan who run that company. And uh, we've continued to make the software better each day for our, our company and for other companies that are now on the software too. So we, uh, it's been a fun project, and I look forward to sharing it with more companies in our industry as, as it makes sense for that. So it's, it's been a super fun project and just very rewarding to be able to uh, quickly improve things, uh, which was oh. a challenge uh, in our previous platforms. Yeah, so, so changing software is no easy, easy project. It's very, very difficult. <laughs> very, takes years off of your sure. life sometimes. but. Uh, you must have been in pain. What what was the pain point that you said I've got to do something? What what was that that pain point? Well, we had a we had a very good run with our previous software vendor, and we uh, wanted uh, more control over what we were doing, and we wanted a better uh, we wanted responsiveness that would serve us and our customers well, and I wanted a software that. So we, you're, Dan, you're 100% right. Switching software is not simple. It is painful. 
and uh, we, I needed to find a software that would give us a competitive advantage in the marketplace if we were going to make a switch, because otherwise you're just switching to a new set of problems and challenges. Because it's not going to be perfect. No software is going to be perfect. And so when we looked at, well, I went to the convention in uh, 19. No, it was eight in Orlando. I think it was 18. Might have been 19. It would have been 18, because we researched software in 19 and switched in 20 and looked and did demos from almost anybody that was in the exhibit hall to take a look at what, what the options were out there. And we had multiple companies in to look at the, at the software. And when Stacy said, hey, I think I got something that's pretty good. I want to show it to you. I'm like, OK, well, show me what you got. And and then we finished that call. I talk with my team and I call her back and go, um, we love your software. You have to decide if you want to be in the software business because right now you have 100% control over what happens. You have 100% ability to get something changed. If you want the screen to be purple tomorrow, you walk down the hall and that happens. You know, once you bring on another company, you are now have a customer, and your team might say, um, "We're busy working on Lloyd. We can't change things for you now. Do you want to do that?" So, and um, to her credit, she felt like we could add value to the software and and decided to spin it off into a new company. And you know, we have been adding uh, companies selectively and adding companies where we feel we they will help add value and create a, a collective of like-minded companies that will continue to make the software better, to continue to give our companies a competitive advantage in the marketplace through having software that also continues to evolve and uh, using the software as a way of collaborating together to help us make it better. So, and that's been super fun for all of us, uh, to, for our companies to get closer together and to uh, continue to improve the software for our, our companies and our customers. We had a so, recent demo of it and uh, it is slick. It looks terrific. So looking forward to thank you. more. Yeah. So we, we have reached the end of our time and you know I actually want to give you one more opportunity here, Jamie, just to speak. Um, Obviously, this segment is on branding your business. You guys have done a great job at Lloyd. Any parting thoughts for our audience on how to grow their brand? Um, anything you want to share before we close out here? I, I think that for, I think it really for branding, for me, it's at the end of the day, it's about integrity and, and taking care of the customers and that, you know, making sure your brand is viewed in a in the best light possible all the time, and don't get hung up on the fifty dollars or five hundred dollars that you might have to give a customer back. But remember that that customer uh, can having a positive brand image in the communities you service is essential, and that that over time will be how you win the battle, win the war, whether you may lose the battle today is really uh, irrelevant. So, yeah, but that's spoken of as a 90 year old family business that wants to be here for another, for a lot no. longer time. And uh, no, you know, so take, taking a long view, I think is important. I think it's wonderful advice. Well, Jamie, I wanna thank you very much for coming on the podcast. This has been great. I've enjoyed hearing your story and hearing how you guys have grown the Lloyd brand and, and also about the new project. Dan, any thoughts before we close out? No, I, I think that that about covers it. it what, what a great uh, session. It, uh, I, I learned quite a bit about uh, 
different philosophies. I uh, learned quite a bit about direct mail. That uh, that that's an interesting yeah, that was a new one. So. Well, that's it, folks. We have reached the end of another segment of the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. As usual, if you enjoyed this episode or any of our episodes, please remember to like and rate us on Apple Podcasts or however you consume this media. And with that, we'll see everyone next time.